This is God's Favorite Idiots, a sub-project of the Internet's Top Sensation, the two-on-one project, where two disciples theologians who are trying to discern their call and understand God's purposes talk about the big red N series, God's Favorite Idiot. I'm your co-host, the Reverend Arthur Stewart. Other guys, I'm in Seventy Kendall, and I'm wearing these big gold wings on me, and I was trying to make them flap. You are definitely channeling your inner Melissa McCarthy, my friend. I love Melissa McCarthy. I do too. I, 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 Bridesmaids was just one of the most amazing performances by a comedian ever. Uh, okay, so we're talking about the show God's Favorite Idiot, which is on the Big Red N Network, uh, that asks, "Are you still watching?" And we're talking about episode two today. Um, so what did you, what did you think? Oh, where do we find Clark and Emily? I won't ever get over her being called Emily. So it, it comes out in the end of episode one that Clark was at a restaurant and he started glowing and then everybody starts filming it on their cameras and it gets shared and, uh, he becomes an overnight divisive social media star. Yes. Some people think he's the second coming and some people think he's the devil. And their job, whatever it is they do, and I don't think they've established what it is they all do for a living. Yeah, I don't know that it is either. I don't think it matters. Like no. I, I literally do not think it matters. But they all start instead researching, oh, maybe they're salespeople, but they start researching and trying to figure out what's happening to Clark and come together around it. And Angel Visits. Which, I mean, for those of you that love a good um, Gilmore Girls throwback, um, it is Michelle from uh yannick truesdale from uh from the dragonfly inn and he is the angel shamuel um what shamuel and uh which was a delight when you get those like fun character throwbacks you were someone else um and yeah i i really liked this episode i think this is the episode that like i was like okay i'm not bummed about watching this show anymore because i was kind of with you i didn't love the first episode um but i was like okay they're half hour episodes i can i can do this i can power through you know what i have a question sure uh before we power through can i I bring up something yes please uh this episode of god's favorite idiot is part of the two-on-one oeuvre and two-on-one is sponsored by Jeff Wonder Designs. Jeff Wonder Designs is celebrating 17 years of making Ordinary Time Extraordinary. They are our lead sponsor, even when we are, in fact, God's favorite idiots. And despite the fact that we ritualistically do a promo and talk about how much we love Jeff Wonder Designs, each and every time we do an episode, we forgot to do an I'm sorry, Jeff. Forgive us. We're idiots. Yes. But you can go to jeffwonder.com, order stoles. Uh, liturgical textiles for all seasons, all denominations, all purposes, all uses, all sizes, all customization options. J E F F W U N R O W dot com. Use two on one fifteen boop for a fifteen percent off your entire stole purchase. Yes. Okay. So okay. Sorry. You did. You Stop. did great. Um, so back to this. I like this because I think you start to really. Episode one was very much like. What is happening to Clark? Amelie's in, you know, she's his number two, you know, in this too. Uh, and she's helping kind of figure it out. But this episode is when you get like the larger cast of characters. And I'm always a fan of the larger cast episodes. Um, I think you'd start to really start to understand the relation or start to, I guess, hope to understand the relationships between Frisbee and the rest of the staff. Uh, Frisbee. You know what? 
Go ahead. Frisbee's my favorite character. Frisbee is a middle manager. And Frisbee oh. just... Every episode, Frisbee gets better. And he's maybe the best part of the show. Hands down. So good. So funny. Uh, and, like, there's at one point where it's like, aren't you all supposed to be working? And they're just like, you know, go away. Like, it's just like, they don't care. They're all like... My favorite scene, I think, is when they're all at that table and they're all like studying the Bibles. And it very much like rem- the, you know, like they're looking at different texts and things like that. And we got a big old Virgin Mary just in the middle of the table. Um, yeah. And so you have a big Virgin Mary in the middle of the table. You got like. Right. Sanskrit and Aramaic and Greek and English and. And all of it. And so and you start to you start to invite other people into the process. Like they've seen the glowing. It was a very, uh, yeah, I'm used to watching things through a two-on-one lens where I'm like, how would I answer a two-on-one question about that? Like, and I was like, Ooh, this is a doubting Thomas. These are all, this is everyone needing to see, to touch Jesus was everyone needing to actually see him glow to believe. And so, uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's like Lazarus's family type thing. Like, what do you do if you bury someone and then they come back like i've always wanted to know what happened to lazarus after he was resurrected and is he still alive today and like so like what right and so like he just shows up and they're like oh this is a thing now we have to figure out um yeah and it's communal and it's like we it's like very much like because it's why community is important i was you know like i love things that hit that over the head uh but it's like you know, he works in an office. What's happening with Clark? I don't know. You know, like, oh, have you not seen this? And it's like, even if they don't necessarily all love each other, you know, like in a real kind of committed way, like there is care and there is curiosity and there is enough like commitment and covenant to the like them as a unit that it's like, no, all right, this is ours. We This is our problem to figure out what to do. It. And they discover it's a small group which I think is important. If we're using this as a church metaphor, which I think we should, like a congregational metaphor, it's a small group within it. They're able to be caustic and abrasive and disrespectful to the manager. And the manager is just like, it's not my thing. And three, not everyone has to have input on everything that is happening. And there's probably people who are ambivalent about what they're doing. Uh, One of the things that I really liked, uh, though, was when they're all reading different things and then Clark like speaks like like verbatim the text and they were like did you know that and he's like no how did i how did i know that and one of my very favorite things in church to do especially in small groups what the gift of small groups brings to us is sometimes a spiritual gift will just fly out of someone that they didn't even know that they had um and I think it's really important then that we can like this is the space in which then you can recognize it and say yes like when and, cool. And it's funny to me because I that was the part of the episode I disliked the most. Like that was the bit where I was like, okay, this is written by people who aren't religious. Um, and it's a like they probably did a word search or whatever, and it's fine. Quote the Sermon on the Mount all you want to, but that was the part that just seemed the most disingenuous. Because one, if you really want to go a deep cut, it would have been super cool if you would have said something from like Thomas or the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Um, 
Two, or did it in what, Hebrew or like right. in, what, in Aramaic or Greek? Like what translation are they using? Because it's translative and all language is incomplete. What I did love was when Tom, um, Tom was looking at some text in some language and he's like, I figured I could look at it and just figure it out. Um, because that is basically how I approached the Bible in English for the first five years of ministry. I think it's how a lot of our colleagues also still. Yeah. So do you want to talk about exegesis and hermeneutics and how uh, how a movie producer and an improv comedian engage a 2,000-year-old text with a lot mm-hmm. of baggage? Yeah, I do. I think that's one of the gifts that I did not recognize was a gift uh, until it was pointed out to me uh, by one of my professors that said, like, you're one of your strongest gifts is, uh, and we're particularly speaking as a preacher, uh, was the fact that I, I did not grow up in the church, did not grow up listening to, you know, I knew like the Noah story in a real vague way and like the Genesis story, but like none of these more, you know, nuanced texts. Um, and so I asked questions right away that, you know, uh, have been questions often that are said, you know, don't ask that here, you know, like, don't, don't think of it that way. I mean, I've talked about my plan to break into every church in America that has a Noah's Ark mural and to paint naked, bloated, drowned bodies floating near the boat with lions and giraffes on it. Because like, it's super weird that we use that as a children's story. Like it's, 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 it's gross and weird. Yes. But I wonder with the sanitized stuff that we teach in children's Bibles, if, and we should bring back Dr. Russell Dalton to talk about children's Bible sometimes because that's what oh, yeah. he does research on. And it's great. Anyways, <clears throat> but like without the sanitized picture, uh-huh. you and I were able to be like, oh, no, this book is horrible. <laughs> <clears throat> like, I think that's why you like the the uh, Jezebel of Revelation. I've yeah. never heard somebody interpret her before. I love her. I love because all she's doing is preaching and it's just this fit that john of patmos is having uh that you know you keep listening to her well clearly she's saying something that they want to listen to so back off uh and then he just gets mad and as we do when we get mad at women who are theologically inclined we don't question their theology like we would a male we just say i'm gonna like rape and murder your children so right because a woman is either a paragon of virtue and should be silent or she's a complete and utter um miscreant and deviant or, should be silenced there's a, as long as uh, a woman's quiet it's fine yeah i've never which if that's the the stake of being a woman i am not and so then what am i i mean hey gender performance um anyway uh but i love that i I love you and I both love the Bible. We both love study and interpretation. I mean, you love you some Pauline Corinthian letters. Uh, Exactly. Uh, And I love, I love the women of the Bible. Um, And those are where we have found uh, both call and nurture and, you know, energy to keep going some days when it's like, well, this is a real shit show. So, uh, I think it's really important. And I love that they brought in a pseudo Bible study into this to be like, what's happening. But they did it in a way that was like, all right, Quran. Like there was, there was all the things. Like there's just going to be a passage somewhere. That's like, if your friend starts going, perhaps he is the messenger of, and, and I'll tell you the truth. Like 
my immediate thought with the glowing was, ooh, even the devil can appear to be an angel of light. Ooh. And having only watched two episodes, or True. only going as far as two episodes, I have to sp- say my hackles are up about everyone, about Clark, about Emily, about the the preacher, the British preacher who's like, well, this man is a miscreant, is clearly oh. a bad guy. Oh, I mean, clearly a bad I mean, like, they've already picked the, like, this is, we are watching early church formation, mm-hmm. like, in the fact that, like, we're watching here's early church, small, small gatherings in homes or in offices, you know, uh, against the larger, you know, the larger church or whatever's happening, um, which is that like preacher evangelical dude that, you know, is on the TV. Well, so interestingly, when I took a class on Nikos Kazantzakis at Bright Divinity Uh School taught by Joey Jeter, may he rest in peace and Darren Middleton, uh, like one of the preeminent scholars of post-Christian theology and Nikos Kazantzakis. Kazantzakis, or uh, Middleton pointed out that whenever Americans make something theological, the evil people are always British. Like the devil is always, always speaks with an English accent, always. And it's foreign that we understand. Right. It's foreign that we understand. And I think it's just, you know, built into our, yeah, America. Um oh. It's a, there's this really great book that just came out called After Jesus Before Christianity, and you should pick it up. It's by the West Star Seminar, which did historical Jesus stuff, and this is historical church. Speaking of early church, it'll mess you up. Um, Paul wasn't important in the first 150 years of the church until Marcion started a movement, and Marcion's canon was Luke, all of the letters of Paul, and I think Acts. And suddenly the church had to read so Paul. it's your Bible. What? <laughs> so it's your canon. <laughs> I like Mark. I like James. Uh, yeah, I like Mark and James, so it's fine. Uh, but Marcion, you know, did it. And uh, they were like, oh, God, we have to read this. And they started including it because it was a movement. But Paul wasn't a major player in the first 150 years, they argued. Anyway, sorry. That's an interesting thing for you and me because we're Bible nerds. And it. <laughs> Here's my question. How do you find yourself interpreting in community? Okay. okay. So I went into here. So here's how I exegete my text. I use a lectionary because I don't want to pick and choose. I want to very much be like, I want the spirit to lead. I, you know, like in all of that, uh, I take a look at what's happening in the world around us. I take a look at what's happening in my church specifically. Um, and then I, when I read the text, uh, I read it. I do, you know, that double reading, um, read it once just to see what it's saying, read it twice to look between those. I, I really read it like seven times, but, you know, and then I just start asking the question, who's not being, who is it named? Who, what are, what am I curious about? What's happening? I remember the very first question that I ever asked of the Bible was the, when we were doing the Bible study that I talked about, um, in the last episode, when we were reading through with me and Dan and Michael, uh, shout out guys. Uh, and I went to the pastor and I was like, Hey, what's the deal with Cain's wife? Like, where'd she come from? Where'd she go? Right. And my pastor was like, what do you think? And which I hated, I hated that answer. Ryan Stites, I hated it. And, uh, but it was the right question and it's the right answer. And so, and you know, and I've learned to, it was one of those like teachings of learning to live in the mystery and that 
not all of this is real. Not all of this is meant to be real. Not all of this is meant to be a verbatim exact thing that happened. And if any of it, that's what I still do to this day. When I don't think I asked you, what was your first sermon you ever preached? Uh, The first sermon I ever preached was Naboth's Vineyard. And it was like 25 minutes long. And I did it from memory. And my pastor I worked for, uh, Pastor Carol Devon, or rather the pastor of the church I worked for, better language. She said, so you're going to have another chance to preach. Like you don't, you don't have to say everything all at once. Um, good, good advice. It is. But I, I mean, I like the mystery in the Bible of like, what do we do with Melchizedek's? What do we do with Mrs. Cain? <laughs> what do we yeah. do with the fact that like in Mark, Peter has a mother-in-law, which indicates Peter has a wife, but the mother-in-law never speaks and the wife is never mentioned. Oh, so you, I like that you get the second the chance to, to, to preach again because I mean I think my the best thing about my very first sermon is that it wasn't allowed to be more than seven minutes long, huh. and so and it nine, which is like just rife with stuff to preach about. So much for whatever reason, my like curious brain turned it into a stewardship. My very first sermon was a stewardship sermon. Uh, about using all that you have to give to the church rather than, and it, it wasn't great, but it was interesting, I guess, uh, enough. Uh, but I love that, like, you don't have to do all the things at once. And I think that that's what TV does well often um, in episodics, where it's like, you're not getting every answer every episode, which is great. Um, well, and, and come yeah. back for the next sermon, and maybe it will be better. Yeah. And, like, give us eight, give us eight sermons. Yeah, here we are. Uh, and so, uh, but biblically speaking, like that's my exegetical process is like, how does, you know, and I kind of just like, listen, I don't go into even a text that I've known a hundred thousand times. You know, we talked on two on one last week about, or a couple of weeks ago about my good night, Chris Evans and how John, you know, that John one text of in the beginning was the word or in the beginning was the conversation is not necessarily where I would have gone to for my Twitter inspiration. But, but when you take that step back and allow whatever to flourish in you through the text, when you just hear it or whatever needs to be, it's going to come out. And so um, I think that's what I like about uh, I like in that statement where he was just like, I, I thought I'd get it. I thought, you know, I thought I didn't think it'd be this hard. I thought I'd just, you know, read it and get it. Um, and you can and you do. But also, if you do it again, you'll get it a little bit better. Well, and there's right. And coming back to it, and you know, it's um, <clears throat> there were these three little kids, uh, eight, seven and six. And okay. the six year old's like, I would like to be dunked in holy water. And I said, OK. And I said, so here's the deal. I was like, I don't baptize people this young. Um, I said, but I'm willing to have some talks with you and see where you are. Because also like, fine, believers, all baptism relies on grace. Doesn't matter how old you are. I get it. Right. Um, I thought it was super cute that he was like, I would like to be dunked in holy water. Um, Oh, I had a point about this. Oh, at one point, the eight-year-old said, so do I have to read the whole Bible before I get baptized? And I said, I didn't. And she goes, have you read the whole Bible? I said, yes, but only because people expect me to have. Like there's books of the Bible that I will never talk about or never have to talk about and that I didn't like. Um, but there's also stuff that we keep coming back to and keep doing. Like I, I think um, 
when I used to, when we used to do ministerial training, we had mm-hmm. a fig tree rule, which was from Luke 13, which was you give it three years and you see if it bears fruit. And if it doesn't, you give it another year. Um, but then after that year, we have to talk about maybe chopping the fig tree down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 we get to learn how to think parabolically. And when, when you get like, nobody liked Paul for the first 200 years of the church, it changes the way you read the letters or the acts of Paul and Thecla was more important than the acts of the apostle. It changes the way you read acts of Paul and Thecla. <laughs> this is my wings. Yeah. Cause yes, yes it is. Yeah. Thecla is the most important. I love her. I just, she baptized herself. <laughs> And then she lived to a ripe old age. She she baptized herself. Well, it's because she kept looking for Paul's approval, which I was like, sis, we're done. I just preached on that text the other week um, because I brought an apocryphal text because why wouldn't I? Um, and so, and, you know, and that's kind of what was happening here at that table for God's favorite idiots. It was affirming and like, bring in your extra text, bring in whatever you want to do, oh. say whatever you want to say, I'm in. Well, and it's, and it's finding it and it's a new communal interpretation of what God is doing. So it's not going to be in the Bible and it's not going to happen the way it's in the Bible. It's going to happen in the present with people paying attention and seeking it. But it's important that people believe you. And like, that was the other part of this is like, there was buy-in. Like it's, it's not necessarily like, you know, yes, he had Clark had Amelie at first, but now it's like a larger growing community, which is so important because it's hard. There's a work of faith and life is hard and so to do it with people that are like yeah also uh you're weird but like let's figure that out i know for a fact that as a woman who is in the clergy you have been told you are not a real minister before no yeah like daily as a gay man i have been told i am not a real minister before right but also when people disagree with us they'll be like well you call yourself clergy but you just said you know this or that Mm -hmm. um and when that stuff happens, it's particularly the communities around us that need to just reaffirm it. Yeah. I've only done it once, but I've literally walked to my PRC and I've been like, I want to quit ministry forever. Can you please tell me I should stay? Um, and they did. Good. And they should, because you're a good minister. Yes. All right. Well, uh, it's read your Bibles, kids. Uh, so the last thing on the Bible that I love is that it's a weird book written by hundreds of people over thousands of years. It's yep. a collection of texts. It's not one author. It's not gone judo chopping somebody in the neck and then like dragging their pen across the page. And it's holy. If we call it holy, it's not holy because it's holy. Um, did this go the way you wanted it to go? I feel like we had some ideas for this episode. And instead we ended up talking about like why we're bibliophiles. No, too many things are happening right now, but that's okay. Too many things. So many things, but you know what? That's life. So many things are happening and God's still going to use you and God's still going to call you into, into space. So I got to tell you my funny Bible story. Okay. Uh, Colin McCraney, friend of two on one and perhaps yeah. future two on one network host. Uh, Colin McCraney and I were at Disciples Crossing in Athens, Texas for a midwinter. And this middle school kid was like, I didn't bring anything to read except the Bible. And Colin and I were like, Oh no, it's great. Like a lion gets ripped in half and a crazy prophet, six she bears on people. And also there's sex, but it's weird sex in the Bible. And like, you should read this and that. And it's, it's, it's just one of my favorite things. Like there's in Mark, we don't give enough credence to the streaker in Mark. 
right? We don't give yeah. enough credence to like when Jesus is on the road to Emmaus and they're like, do you not know what happened? And Jesus is like, no, tell me what. Tell me more. <coughs> Philemon is just this sarcastic diatribe that's meant to just guilt someone <laughs> into, into ending the practice of slavery. Like there's such stupidity in the Bible and it's marvelous. It's a reminder of God's favorite idiots. It is. And what I was waiting for them, like, I love the, like, the she bears that, like, that come and just murder the children. I mean, because it's, it's it's so out there, right? Like, and it's one of those that I, I love it. I kept waiting in, in that scene of all of them reading through, like, what if you're looking for, like, the, you know, like, your colleague is glowing, so you're looking for crazy, but then you read it and you're like, is that too crazy? <laughs> is that not crazy enough like what so, level of crazy are you looking for oh sorry i think we're thing. stop using crazy but the bible is not a field guide for how to behave normally or how to have good etiquette the bible is about crazy people doing crazy shit yeah yeah and like uh, i think we're supposed to stop using the word crazy um so okay. there, there's that but so for the we'll do better next time deuces but uh we want to just name that um but but it people acting bananas, doing bananas things at the hands of a God that's like, do bananas things. Right. God is calling them to bananas things. Yeah. Which is, you know, <laughs> go after Pharaoh, right. which is drive a tent pig through a general's head, which is right. all sorts of stuff. What's up, yeah? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, your hair has magical powers. Your hair, like, just every, like, everything is bonkers. And Life is bonkers, but community will get you through it. That right there is it. Life is bonkers. Everything is bonkers, but community will get you through it. I don't think there's anything else to say. So we are God's favorite idiots talking about God's favorite idiot. We'll be back next week with episode three on episode three of God's favorite idiot on God's favorite idiots. Tune in again (laughs) on behalf of it. I'm the Reverend Arthur Stewart. I'm the Reverend Stephanie Kendall, flapping my wings. Flapping her wings and shrugging her shoulders. Bye, deuces. Bye. Get more 2-on-1 at 2 on